Santa J. Ono is the 28th president of the University of Cincinnati, one of the nation's top 30 public research universities. An avid user of social media, he is also an accomplished researcher in eye disease. A new book called Follow the Leader says that with his use of Twitter, Dr. Ono epitomizes the institutional champion, highlighting his university's achievements, both academic and non-academic, interacting with key stakeholders, including students, faculty, staff, alumni, and partners, and also serving as cheerleader-in-chief whenever possible. Welcome, President Ono. Uh, every president should think about uh, their own particular brand of engagement through social media. There were probably individuals that initially were suspicious about social media, people who were a little bit concerned about myself and others being overly exposed. A number of faculty have embraced social media within the classroom and have embedded it into their curriculum. I think University of Cincinnati has really been at a cutting edge of, of, of integrating and embracing social media in everything that we do. The more you can make it a two-way street, uh, the more I think people will, will wish to engage with you. Conversations, interviews, rants, and discussions about society, technology, food, art, culture, games, music, education, business, community building and marketing, communications, board games, old science, new cars, body piercing, body painting, competitive eaters, zombies and vampires, and more. You're listening to Talking About Everything with Harry Hawk. Hi, Harry. How are you? Hello, Dr. Ono. It's very nice to meet you. President Ono, thank you for taking the time to talk with me today. My thoughts have been a lot of business leaders, marketers, professional communicators have seen, you know, some personal evidence that social media has been beneficial for their business. But a lot of it sometimes can be very subjective. With your background in research as a medical researcher and just several years of sort of social media practice, are you seeking any empirical evidence? for its success? Are you measuring your impact or the, rather the impact of social media success at UC? Well, um, I have some wonderful people in my office that are studying analytics of uh, what we're doing in terms of social media. We have beyond what's happening in the office of the president, we also have a group uh, that meets to discuss our university social media strategy. We're actually about to launch a social media week. And so it's something that uh, the staff and communications, but also in the colleges and faculty members and some deans and the provost are all engaged in. And uh, I would say that um, in addition or beyond looking at uh, data uh, in terms of the location of followers, the impact of tweets that we send out in terms of how many individuals retweet or favorite it, that uh, we have quite a bit of evidence uh, from surveys and conversations with stakeholders uh, that are done actually in person or online uh, that our presence, our social media presence, is having a very positive impact on our image and our reputation. Uh, just uh, earlier today, I, I was just uh, thumbing through a copy of a new book called Hashtag Follow the Leader, uh, which um, attracted the attention of the author who was actually looking into, as part of his graduate education, what higher education leaders were doing on social media. So clearly somebody in Canada um, learned about the University of Cincinnati because of our activity. Uh, we have also uh, attracted attention uh, from the Chronicle of Higher Education and Inside Higher Education. So 
publications, periodicals far removed from Cincinnati are actually paying attention to what we're doing. So there's quite a bit of evidence from that kind of information, as well as from conversations that we have with prospective students when we visit high schools, when we visit other institutions, or when I meet other presidents, that uh, they're all paying attention to what we're doing. And many of them are actually uh, starting their own social media strategies. So to me, it's very, very clear that our social media presence has had a positive impact on the image of the University of Cincinnati. To me, as a marketer, it's to be expected. I know, you know, academically from other professors, from other folks around the university, even from my so-called millennial students, I see sometimes a lot of resistance. So I am very excited by the leadership that you're providing there. I wanted to kind of ask you about when you're writing, you have a long history of academic writing, of research. How did you come to learn sort of the rules of the road for Twitter or Facebook? In other words, you know, did you take a, a Twitter 101? You just read through it. Is it a kind of a natural thing that you came to? Or is it a kind of a voice, a kind of style of storytelling that you use when you're doing that particular kind of writing? There was a panel discussion about social media use by university presidents recently. And Bernie Lofton uh, and I have a very similar strategy. That is to try to be as authentic, authentically me, it might be the strategy. It's, uh, I'd say 90 something percent of the tweets that come from my handle are my own. And uh, I tweet uh, when I have some time in between meetings, when I'm at the airport, after I read a bedtime story to my 10-year-old girl. Uh, I survey what's out there. I respond to it. I also read a number of different news sites and uh, will retweet information that I think is relevant to individuals who are following me. But I also am spontaneously excited about things such as uh, wins, major wins by our Bearcat teams. And uh, I didn't, uh, to answer your question, take any kind of course in terms of uh, social media. When I arrived at the University of Cincinnati about four and a half years ago, I had just started to be active personally on Facebook. And one of the things that happened when I arrived at UC as provost was that, that I had a meeting with the communications department. And there was someone called Greg Hand who actually gave me a list of things that I might consider doing. On the top of the list was to consider becoming active on, on social media. I didn't know anything about Twitter. I didn't have a Twitter account. And uh, there was uh, a member of the provost office staff called Ben Hofstetter, who actually uh, was a digital native. And he taught me about different platforms and uh, things like TweetDeck that I don't actually use anymore. But uh, I didn't know anything about, about Twitter. I didn't know anything about the limitations, the number of characters. And I just started to experiment on Twitter. And uh, I think if you go back and look at my early tweets, you can see that uh, I didn't have much experience. And with trial and error, um, I sort of developed my own style. And uh, I enjoyed uh, connecting with uh, the community, uh, initially primarily people here on this campus, but then a broader array of stakeholders, alumni, and other presidents and foundations and uh, even media outlets would start to communicate with me through Twitter. So it's been an, a learning experience. Right. Well, I mean, we all preach that you should learn throughout your lifetime. Not, not to uh, disagree with you, but I actually did go back and look at some of your earliest tweets. And honestly, I think it's all within a norm. And it, it didn't seem at all uh, rough to me. But but I did have a question. You at, at the point that you became the president or the interim president, you picked uh, Prez Ono as your Twitter handle. But before then, you had used Provost Uno, if I'm, Ono, if I'm correct. You're right. That's what I used. And uh, I think I'm not 
sure because it's been a while, about uh, I think two and a half years ago when it happened. I think that I crowdsourced to you know make the decision about what handle to adopt at the time. And I think I asked the question, should it be at P-R-E-S-O-N-O or should it be P-R-E-Z-O-N-O? And I think that uh, the crowdsourcing indicated that they preferred the letter Z. And that's how that happened. But I can't be absolutely sure. Well, I, that's what I saw today. So it, it's out there for the world to see. I had a people build up a following on a handle. And of course, people switch jobs, people move around departments, different localities. And there's often some question about if the Twitter handle should move with them or, you know, who it belongs to. Did you actually just change your your handle from Provost to Prez or did you create a new one? And did you have to regain followers at that point? Was there any thought put to that? Well, you know, I was staying at the University of Cincinnati. I've been here for about four and a half years now. And so my situation, um, since I was staying in the same institution, just changing roles, uh, the following I would, I think I was thinking then would be the, very much the same and continuity is important. So I think we just switched from Provost Ono to Prez Ono. In the case where an individual moves from one institution to another, for example, Holden Thorpe, who moved from UNC to WashU, um, President Lofton, uh, who I think moved from Texas A&M now to uh, Missouri, um, I think that they changed their handles. And in the panel that I just participated in, I think uh, President Lofton said the reason why he did that is that he felt it was only appropriate because the constituency would change and that uh, individuals who would follow him in Texas um, would be different from those that would be wanting to engage with him as president of uh, Missouri. So he, he actually has, I think, two Twitter accounts. Um, I think uh, our coach, Tommy Tuberville, has uh, two different Twitter accounts. He has one before he moved here and it's a new one after moving here to Cincinnati. And I think that's appropriate because they're different people that would follow those two different accounts. It, it certainly... A question open for a little ethical debate. Yeah, you've built up a following with a particular institution. And while some of those people clearly have a relationship with you, as you move along, uh, they may be more interested in the relationship with your office, so to speak, then. But it, it, it's a, it's an interesting problem that we're going to see more of. Segwaying a little bit, can you talk about the number of different accounts that there are officially or semi-officially within UC? It, it seems that, you know, back in the day we had, you know, a single telephone for a business or a single email address. And obviously today we all have email addresses. Is there, have any any sense of the, the the vast or narrow number of accounts that there are out there? Well, I'm sure that there are tens of thousands of Twitter addresses. Uh, most of the students have their own Twitter address. Um, many of the departments have their own Twitter address. Most of the offices, even those that are considered relatively uh, dry um, in terms of what they focus on, like the Office of Research uh, or the Chief Information Officer, or I think it's Public Safety has a, a Twitter address. So there are many. It's hard for me to even guess how many Twitter addresses there are at the University of Cincinnati. Which I honestly think is fantastic because it just talks to the level that social media has become accepted and be just becomes part of the fabric. Uh, no one goes around counting uh, 
erasers uh, anymore either. When you started to take this leadership position four and a half to two and a half years ago, did you feel that that helped catalyze all of these other departments and folks doing that? Or or did they start before you? I mean, is there a a chicken or an egg here, so to speak, evolutionarily wise? We have actually tracked um, our social media presence. There are different rankings that come out on a regular basis. I I don't want to say that um, my involvement has had any kind of direct impact. I, I would say that the University of Cincinnati's presence and identity in social media has grown over that four and a half year period of time. I, I think that that's something that's probably true for any higher educational institution. I think that there was during that four and a half uh, year period, there were probably individuals that initially were suspicious about social media that weren't convinced that it was a good thing. People who were a little bit concerned about myself and others being overly exposed and the risks that are associated with social media. I think that, and I, I know that other presidents and other institutions believe this, that uh, it's become much more embraced and, and, and most uh, institutions are convinced that that you must have a social media presence. Now, I can tell you that social media has been incredibly important for me as an individual, uh, for my ability to connect with especially students who, to be frank, uh, communicate with each other more on social media than uh, through email. And so it's something that I do believe personally is here to stay and that uh, every president should think about uh, their own particular brand of engagement through social media. Not that you should take credit or not, but I did run a few stats today just to put things in perspective. You UC uses the hashtag hottest college in America in the last 30 days. That was uh, 1,771 tweets and the University of uh, Cincinnati had approximately 3,800 uh, mentions for yourself, around 8,500. So I certainly think there's some data that suggests that you're a strong voice for the community, but not to be overly uh, focused on that. You're still, unfortunately, about three orders of magnitude less than Justin Bieber. <laughs> I do not aspire to be Justin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, um, you know, you know, I think that um, it's really not me. It's really me as a representative of the University of Cincinnati and whatever I do, hopefully, which would be positive, would be a benefit to this institution. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. That's the role that I see the college president, any leader, really. And that's part of hopefully we'll have a a moment to talk about uh, in a little bit about how the example of how college presidents, yourself included there, are using social media may help inform the next generation and current generation of business leaders. But for myself, a, a, a quick story, my department chairman, she heard some students on the subway when she was going home, she knew they were her students, uh, talking about hashtags. And she immediately knew they were talking about me. And she, she confirmed that. And um, I have unfortunately found a lot of resistance to students using social media within the classroom. Yes, they use it for themselves, but they, they're reluctant to in my mind, to learn sort of a a professional perspective. And in terms of, you know, pedagogy, I myself tend to focus on high impact learning, active learning, timely feedback, all the buzzwords, peer evaluation, integration of general education into, you know, the broader curriculum. And I'm obviously just trying to make learning fun and exciting while actually proving skills like writing and, and critical thinking. I'm wondering, do you see a role for social media within undergraduate curriculum? Well, that's a great question. Maybe because uh, I am very active on social media, my uh, experience here at the University of Cincinnati has been that a number of faculty have embraced social media within the classroom. 
and have embedded it into their curriculum. There have been classes that have been assigned as a project studying my tweets, and they've actually divided up my tweets by week, and different groups of students actually analyze my tweets and actually write papers about them. Um, there was a, a group that um, actually analyzed uh, my tweets during a period of time. They actually made a public records request, and we send them a synopsis of those tweets and, and looked at the proportion of tweets that had to do with athletics or Greek life or um, diversity. They wrote a paper, they shared it with me, and uh, they identified that uh, they felt that uh, an insufficient number of tweets had to do with diversity and, and inclusion, and that's been impactful for me, and I've tried to tweet more about diversity and inclusion. So it was very, very useful feedback. I understand that there's somebody in Canada who's doing their doctoral dis- dissertation on my tweets, so I find that very amusing. I can't imagine that that would be worthy of a PhD, but believe it or not, there are people who are doing that. And and uh, so, and there are other classes uh, that I know have uh, tweeted to me real time. I've had uh, tweet-a-thons with uh, Greek, uh, Gordon Gee. Uh, we've had, uh, I don't know what, what you call them, but uh, 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 we designate a period of time and a number of, of us get online and we tweet to each other. We ask questions of each other, each other. So I do think that at certain institutions, social media has been embraced um, as uh, something that can be embedded into the curriculum. Here at the University of Cincinnati, we also use iPads in many of our classes, specifically in the College of Nursing. I participated in a, in a class in genetics of uh, immunology uh, in the College of Nursing, and so it's an area that I have personal ex- expertise in. And we used iPads and social media in Google and Twitter in that class. And, and the way uh, we used that was to, when we were looking at a specific problems such as DNA replication or gene transcription, yep. we would tweet to each other. We would actually go online, look through Google at, uh, at pictures and video around that topic, and uh, there would be a conversation that would occur real time with everything appearing on the screen. We've used Twitter at events such as commencement, um, at uh, different banquets where people can uh, reply to what's being said or can congratulate graduates. So I think University of Cincinnati has really been at a cutting edge of, of, of integrating and embracing social media and everything that we do. That's fantastic. And that's, again, I, I just find it as a, a really valuable tool to be a learning laboratory in a way that you can't walk in on somebody doing their job necessarily on a customer interaction on any of the billions of tweets that are out there. Excuse me, I'm just going to listen in. You know, I mean, that's a, a very intrusive kind of research that might never get approved. But on Twitter, you can see all kinds of things happening and observe them. And if you choose to, because they're in public, interact with them. So I think, you know, kudos uh, to the academics on your staff who are putting it into the curriculum. I wanted to ask, as I kind of alluded to earlier, do you have any advice for business leaders who want to have a more socially active enterprise? I mean, you've literally described that, you know, tens of thousands, perhaps the majority of your stakeholders are on social media. And that's something that many businesses aspire to. From your experience, do you have any advice or hints tips. One thing that we've tried to do from the very inception is to make it fun for those who are following whatever account communicating. We've had uh, raffles, we've had contests, we've 
when President Obama uh, gave one of his speeches before the election at the University of Cincinnati, we had these pink admission tickets because it was very, it was a very hot ticket. It was very difficult to get. We only had an arena that seats about 12,000 uh, individuals and everybody wanted to get into that arena to, to listen to President Obama speak. And so we had a couple of those and we would tweet out a picture, uh, in, you know, incomplete picture. So you didn't, it wasn't obvious where, where the ticket was placed and people would actually run around campus trying to find, find that ticket. So when you do that kind of stuff or, or when you have some kind of, you know, question that you send out through Twitter and there's a prize associated with it, it attracts a lot more followers. And so that's something that if I were a CEO of a business, that I want to incorporate into my strategy. Because it's one thing if you just dispense comments. It's another one uh, if you make it fun and they're, they're engaged in it and they feel part of it. The other important advice is to not only tweet and not only uh, have people follow you, but also to follow, uh, follow them back and to communicate with them when they uh, send a message to you. So the more you can make it a two-way street, uh, the more I think people will, will wish to engage with you. Absolutely. I mean, I've found, I've done research on some businesses where, you know, I mentioned them earlier, they act like Justin Bieber. They have hundreds of thousands of people following them. They send out literally maybe a dozen tweets a day and they reply to virtually no one. And you have to wonder if you walked into their business, would they ignore you? Certainly if someone comes into one of your uh, administrative departments and asks to speak to someone, you're not going to ignore them. You're going to have a conversation. It's just, in my opinion, wholly inappropriate to just ignore people when they have legitimate questions. The other advice I'd give for a business is that um, individuals of different generations communicate with each other using different lingo. In some cases, I actually have to use uh, something like the Urban Dictionary or talk to somebody in my office that's a lot younger than I am to try to understand what is it what is it that they're trying to say to me because I don't quite understand um, the vocabulary that they're using. And so, uh, for a business, I think that uh, that where, where the clients are actually spread across many different generations, they should really have a strategy where they have individuals that are comfortable and are native speakers in uh, that vocabulary. And, and so if you are a Macy's and you have different lines of clothes, you would not be as successful if you spoke in one voice, in one vocabulary to the diversity of clients that they have. You would probably want to have um, a sub-brand or sub-Twitter address, which would be for, let's say, kids and adolescents, and uh, that it's different from um, YPs, it's different from more senior citizens, because everybody communicates in a different language. And, and the more you can actually tailor your voice and your vocabulary to that target audience, the more effective I think it would be. Well, it, it certainly seems clear that you're going to be producing generations of, of graduates that are actually going to be prepared to communicate broadly and, and, and have practiced this beyond their friends. But this idea of voice and, and story tone, is there or plans for, you know, sort of a, a writing through social media class or social media storytelling? I mean, is this a subject that might be taught somewhere within University of Cincinnati at some point? Our creative writing program, our journalism program, they already have this kind of content in the curriculum. I, I think that um, what's going to happen in the future, and I think a lot of it could be made possible through the hashtag, is that the content is much of it's going to become much more rich. One of the things that I try to do during a period of a day or days is sometimes my tweets are thematic. I don't know if, if you've actually 
followed them and, and, and noticed that, that sometimes I'll send out a, a, a series of tweets around a specific topic and, and they're not mm-hmm. informational. They're, they're actually meant to build upon each other. So I've sent out a series of tweets around, um, the responsibility of the person, the author of tweets and, uh, with a lens to the, the influence and impact it might have on, on the younger generation. It's a series of tweets that has to do with an acknowledgement that high school students, some junior high school students are actually reading what you put out there and, and the responsibility that comes with uh, knowing that they're, you're influencing them and that, that you can use that to be a positive influence in their lives. The other thing that I think is really powerful about social media is that you've noticed with the Ice Bucket Challenge and uh, more locally here in Cincinnati, um, there was a, there's a, a, a young high school student uh, with uh, inoperable brain cancer is that it's, it's, it's a way that you can uh, make a statement and you can get uh, galvanize people to work together towards social good. And so in, in, in both those cases, they were able to, ra- to raise millions of dollars in a very short period of time towards cancer research or towards, towards uh, Parkinson's uh, research or in, in other cases, Alzheimer's research. So it's incredibly powerful uh, in terms of civic good and, and, and social engagement. And I think that that's going to just continue to escalate uh, in the future. Can you tell me briefly about the hashtag hottest college in America? I don't remember exactly what date and what time. Uh, there are people in my office who have looked into that and can actually identify the, the first time I used that uh, hashtag. I was just very excited about uh, the momentum and traje- trajectory of this institution. You probably know that uh, the University of Cincinnati over the past uh, five years um, has really experienced tremendous growth uh, as a destination, uh, as an attractive destination for all sorts of students, not only in this region, but globally and nationally. So I was just one day very excited about uh, our rising rankings, uh, the attractiveness of the campus, our success uh, at that time, um, and even today in, in on, the, on the playing field and football and basketball. I was just incredibly enthusiastic. And I said, this is the ha- hottest college in America. And I just added it to a tweet. I think there was a, a low quality video that I sent out of, uh, I think it was around uh, the beginning of an academic year and I videotaped the scene on the, on the main quadrangle here. And I, I think I used the term hashtag hottest college in America in one of those early videos. And then I just kept using it and other people started using it. Now you can see it on, on our stadium that's being constructed. And uh, I love the fact that uh, other people are using it. When I talk to people, alumni around, around the country, I was just uh, in Chicago. They've said to me that uh, for them, they use it because it's a very positive, optimistic phrase. They complain that it's too many letters. It takes a lot out of their tweet to actually use that hashtag, but they use it because it's a sense of pride. And uh, who doesn't want to be proud of their institution? It's so important for community building that when you talk about where you went or where you studied, that you, you know, that you don't want to like mumble it, you know, you want to absolutely be be loud and, and proud on that. I was hoping you could talk briefly about your job, the size of UC. Well, I'm the 28th president of the University of Cincinnati. It's an institution with uh, almost 44,000 students and 16,000 faculty and staff uh, and has uh, a, it's a comprehensive university, research university, research intensive university uh, with 14 colleges and uh, we're spread across five sites in the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, most of it is located in the Clifton area and Avondale area of Cincinnati, but we have a facility for our civil engineering 
in some mechanical engineering experiments in an area called Center Hill. And we have another one uh, in Evendale, uh, right in the middle of uh, GE Aviation, where we do aerospace engineering research. And we also have a Reading campus where we do some medical research. Uh, and we have two associate degree granting campuses, Claremont College and UC Blue Ash. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, I, I've been to Clifton Mills. I've been all over Ohio. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh, food in Ohio. So okay. certainly Cincinnati chili as well. I don't know how much more time you have left because I was told your schedule was fairly limited today. So I don't want to hold you longer than you can. But I'm just wondering, is there any question that I haven't asked that you'd like to address? Would you like to let people know how to get in contact with you or the university? Yeah, I just want to, once again, thank you for your interest and uh, for whoever's listening. And if you are interested in higher education, if you're interested in the University of Cincinnati, you're a prospective student or someone who's just interested in social media, I'd love to engage with you. My Twitter address is at P-R-E-Z-O-N-O. And I'd love to hear from you and uh, love to hear about uh, what you're interested in with respect to social media or the University of Cincinnati. And once again, thank you so much for your for interview, interviewing me. Dr. Ono, it's been my pleasure. And I tell you, someday I would like to talk to some of your academics who are using social media in the classroom. But that said, thank you again very much. And thanks to everybody on your staff who helped arrange and put this together. And it's Harry Hawk here saying, I hope you have a great day. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. My name is Chuck Fresh, and I am being paid to thank you for listening to Talking About Everything with Harry Hawk. Harry wants to hear from you on Twitter at hhawk or harryhawk at gmail.com. And now, a word from our sponsor, life extension coach and favorite chef. Hawk Digital Marketing is focused on bringing brands and people together. We build communities of interest based on trust and transparency where consumers and brands can converse, learn, discuss, or solve problems together while creating a long-term connection, entanglement between you and your customers. Once connected, we help you engage, communicate, sell, present, educate, and inform. Evolve your communications with us. HawkSocialMarketing.com